Battle Line podcast. We have, I'm going to say it, we have an explosive interview uh, with John Dolmai in this episode from System of a Down. You do not want to miss it, whether you're a fan of System of a Down or you want to hear his take on what's going on politically and his respect for the military law enforcement. We get into all different types of things, but also some pretty major uh, explosive headlines, I'm going to say, in terms of some of the things that he said. So I'm excited for you all to hear this. Uh, Chris is out this episode. He's going to be back next week. And we recorded our last episode uh, prior to this major, major news. So I'm going to read it right here just from the White House. On Wednesday, December 21st, 2022, the president signed into law H.R. 310, which posthumously awards the Congressional Gold Medal collectively to Glenn Doherty, Tyrone Woods, J. Christopher Stevens, and Sean Smith in recognition of their contributions to the nation. Couldn't be happier about this news. Yes, I mean, I put this on social media and as a lot of people are saying, it's long overdue. There's no doubt about that, but it finally happened and uh, people are thrilled, including Sean Lake, the best friend of Glenn Doherty, the owner of Bub's Naturals. And as he said on our social media posts, and I think just on te- texts to me that the family of Glenn Doherty couldn't be happier that this is finally happening and they're finally getting their due. And Glenn Doherty and other family members really worked tirelessly with these members of Congress, these members of the Senate, to make this actually happen. So congratulations to those guys and their families, posthumously, of course, long overdue. Uh, We'll talk about this more in depth when Chris is back. But before we get to John Dolmayan, look, 70 million Americans have chronic sleep issues And 50% of Americans deal with sleep deprivation. You've probably dealt with this at some point in your life. And I know how difficult it could be before Ned came into my life. So Ned is here to help with their incredible new product, Shut Eye Chai. It's inspired by 5,000 years of ancient healing tradition. And it's Ned's biggest product launch to date. It's a mellow super blend latte for sleep that combines adaptogens, aminos, functional mushrooms, and magnesium. Seriously, the best ingredients out there wrapped in a heavenly masala chai-inspired spice body, and it tastes great. So think cinnamon, clove, ginger, all that good stuff right before you go to sleep. It's all natural, made exclusively from functional botanicals, fungi, herbs, plants, minerals, roots, and spices. And just like their CBD products, although this doesn't contain CBD, so you guys in the military or any of you with the drug test, you could safely take this. Um, Ned shares third-party lab reports who farms their products and their extraction process right there on their site. It also doesn't have melatonin, no dairy. So it's really great product for a lot of you who may have allergies or anything like that. Ned products help me perform better at my job and in staying alert and doing great interviews with people like John Dolmayan from System of a Down. So check it out. Discover how Shut Eye Chai can revolutionize your sleep and get 15% off with the code BATTLELINE. That's helloned.com slash BATTLELINE or enter the code BATTLELINE at checkout. That's H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com slash BATTLELINE to get 15% off. Sweet dreams. And uh, something that is not going to put you to sleep, it's going to do quite the opposite, is Beard Vet Coffee. Roasted in the heart of America, Omaha, Nebraska, traditional and unique flavors in ground, whole bean, or grunt cups, K-cups, and beard kits. Yes, they have beard oil. They also have merchandise on their site, shirts, hats, 
all that great stuff, great merchandise. You can check it all out on their social media at beard underscore vet on Twitter at team beard vet on Instagram. And they select a veterans charity every month to give back. Sean himself is a Marine, a DAV lifetime member and an equestrian helper. His wife, Amy is a trainer. So check them out. It's the best coffee out there. Beardvet.com. They're, they're the exclusive coffee sponsor of Battleline Podcast. Beardvet.com. Use the promo code Tonto and you're going to get 10% off. Check out all the different blends on there. You're going to love it. If you're looking for some new coffee and you're tired of overpaying, going to you know, Starbucks and all that stuff, and you want to have some stuff in the house, and you want to feel good about the causes that they represent, check them out. Beardvet.com. Promo code Tonto. T-A-N-T-O. Let's go. From Omaha, Nebraska to New York City, from planet Earth to extraterrestrial life in space, a podcast with no equal, engaged in unconventional warfare through your speakers and headphones. This is a show about embracing the suck, conquering your demons, and finding God in the face of adversity. Chris Tonto Peranto. Switch is on. Motherfucker, I'm going to shoot you in the face. Ian Scotto. You know, Ian and I have been dating for a long time. You are now tuned into the Battle Line Podcast. The Switch is on Battle Line podcast, and I have to say, man, I am so excited for this. John Dolmayan from System of a Down, and, and I should have asked you before. I'm pronouncing it right, right? You got it. Awesome. So drummer for System of a Down. It's just myself, Ian Scotto here. Uh, Chris has been, you know, having scheduling conflicts with being with the family and all that, and he did want to be here, but uh, we're making it work, and I'm excited for it. You know, the first thing I was going to ask you, with we're coming off of Christmas, but I saw the picture of you with Dave Lombardo, and I have to ask, man, you're you're an expert. So is that guy the greatest drummer of all time or, or what? Like, is there anyone better? It's hard to quantify, but he's 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 phenomenal for a number of reasons. He's original. He's super fast. One of the best old bass players and creative with his beats and was involved with uh, Slayer with two of their, in my opinion, two of their best albums. Uh, that they ever made rain and blood at the top of heaven those are my two favorite albums and since then has been prolific and played in a bunch of different bands grips uh he's been in a couple of bands with um one of the best singers of all time um fantomas he's just constantly working and is still one of the most humble and nicest people that you'll ever meet like uh you know, he's playing in uh, Mr. Bungle now as well. Yes, yeah. Like, and, and that type of music is more like, uh, it's niche, you know, like some people like it, some people, most people won't gravitate towards it, but if you like it, you're really into it. And 
Um, aside from that, he's just such a sweet person in general, you know, like, uh, he used to come to system shows before we were signed just because he heard about us and was interested in it and, and wow. liked, he liked the fact that there were rhythms being, uh, played that were ethnic, you know, like he, he liked the, the combination of the ethnic with the metal and all the other influences the system had. So he just started showing up to our shows and here we have. You know, Dave Lombardo coming to a system show. You know, and it, and I should throw out there, like as a music nerd, there's also, and and we'll get into this. And you know what? I should give a proper introduction because beyond just being the drummer for System of Down, and I say just, I mean one of the most prolific metal bands. John is also the owner of Torpedo Comics, which has locations in Las Vegas, Orange, California, Irvine, California, Canoga Park, California. Uh, and we we'll get into a ton of things here, but I was going to say, uh. As just a metal nerd, there's also the Rick Rubin connection there, right? I mean, I feel like Rick Rubin, he he produced these bands, whether it's Slayer or System of a Down, that are so unconventional that you, I think hearing the first time, you would never think would have mainstream success, who would never cross over beyond like their niche metal fan base and have become two of the most metal, known metal bands in the world. Yeah, that, that's one of the most interesting things about Rick is the the range of music that not only he listens to and is interested in but that he's produced you know like uh right off the top of the, my head i can think of metallica did he no yeah yeah, yeah. You know, he, he did metallica like later albums uh yeah he, but he did I, I don't know maybe maybe he did it maybe i'm thinking of something else but lincoln he did, Park, death, he did death magnetica now did he that's a great yeah. album that makes sense so system of a down metallica if we're right on this slayer jay-z johnny cash uh, beach boys boys and that's not even including what he started with in in the uh, rap world you know um, i mean he's he's all over the place you know like uh it's it's like his musical tastes i have a lot of different musical tastes you know like uh, on a daily basis I'll be listening to different kinds of music. Same, yeah. But he goes, he not only listens to it, but he can he can dissect it. He can help improve it, produce it. You know, all the factors that go into, into making a great album. Rick has the nuances of all these different kinds of genres of music, and he's able to put them together. And, and, and in his brain, he's able to bring out the best in each of these genres. That's pretty impressive. You know, um, he doesn't specialize in one. He he's a jack of all trades, right? And if you know the full saying of jack of, of all trades, you'll understand how important it is to be a jack of all trades in life. Yeah, and I feel like all these bands are bands that and and groups. When we say like the Beastie Boys, that no one would have known would have mainstream success. He took a risk with all of them, and they all went over the top. I mean, I was watching the interview he did with Joe Rogan. And he talked about working with you guys. He spoke about uh, the writing of Chop Suey. And it was like amazing to hear how he just had Surge, right? Like pick up a book, find a random page. And it ended up being one of the main parts of the song in terms of like the lyricism. And just hearing his whole process was fascinating. Yeah, and that's like an exercise that that a normal person probably wouldn't think of. But, you know, Surge could equally have pulled out a book with a line that made no sense and, and wasn't applicable. But it just... <laughs> He pulled a line that was one of the most well-known lines in any of our songs. So, you know, sometimes random acts that you think are random, maybe it's meant to be, or maybe there's something, some kind of force guiding you. You know, um, I've always 
think I've had somewhat of a guardian angel over me, you know, um, some of the shit that I've lived through to get to this point, you know. Absolutely. And I want to get into some of that stuff. I mean, part of the reason I would say that I, I wanted to get you on for Battle Line um, beyond just what you've done in music, what you're doing now in comics, being a family man is like, you're a very outspoken member of that band. You're, you you say things that have upset other members of the band and you've always been like completely genuine in who you are and unapologetically, whether it's for veterans, for these Armenian causes, which you guys do come together on. And I, I want to get into all of that stuff. I want to get into the history of the band and, and your history and what you're doing now with comics. Um, if we could dig back a little bit, you know, it was interesting to me, like in researching and preparing for having you on, my introduction to the band, like many others, was Sugar. And I think for when people heard Sugar, they were like, what is this? It's, it's unlike anything I've ever heard. It was unlike the new metal sound at the time that was dominating. You guys didn't sound like Corn or Limp Bizkit or Rage Against the Machine, but came from that same era uh and i hadn't seen the music video in so many years and so the thing that stood out to me as i was watching it again it was like oh john has this gas mask on so was it crazy for like your family that this was your first you know shot at mainstream success you have a video on mtv and they're probably excited to see their son on tv and your face is hidden behind a gas mask where you can see all the other guys yeah you know i i used to wear a gas mask live as well in those early days, this is before Slipknot came out. And then once Slipknot came out, it didn't really quite make as much sense to wear a gas mask anymore, but I used to wear it. And I'm not really sure why I wore it. I, I think part of it is because I like the idea of, you know, being judged on my talent and my ability rather than my looks. Not that I'm a great looking guy or anything, but you know, <laughs> system did get voted one of the uglier bands at one point. <laughs> I took as you know a point of pride because who's who's judging right like at the end of the day but I, I i liked i always believed in my ability on the drums and i wanted that to shine so and i thought it looked cool you know it was different like uh it wasn't easy to play with you know like breathing is difficult through a gas mask if there isn't air coming into it you know from somewhere but uh yeah we got rid of it after a while my parents were a little like, hey, nobody knows who you are. Yeah. I, go, no, I go, nobody cares who the drummer is anywhere. What's the difference? You know, at least I look cool up there, you know. What, was least. that cool on some level? Because, like, I've read Paul Stanley's book. It's funny, as I'm saying this, I'm, I, you know, I still buy CDs. I have the uh, Creatures of the Night anniversary. I didn't even realize it was in front of me. But, like, when I read Paul Stanley's book, he spoke about, like, headlining Madison Square Garden and then walking across the street to like get a newspaper or a sandwich or something. He's like, no one knew who the hell I was because we wore the paint and we we never took it off during that time. Yeah, there and there is something to look. Being a drummer is the best position in the band. The people that know you and recognize you are really excited. And it doesn't happen that frequently to where you can have a normal life. And then when it does happen, it's kind of a special moment between you and the fans. You know, as opposed to my singer, if I go somewhere with my singer, it's like you get Arted, you know, wherever we go. And I can understand why that might start to become like an intrusion in your privacy and, and uh, irrespective of the fact that without these people that are intruding in your privacy, you wouldn't have a career, you wouldn't have money, you wouldn't have a house and all these things, you know. So there is like a, a balance between the two. And I, and I think being a drummer affords you that, you know, like we get the respect. We're um, uh, only the hardcore fans, generally speaking, know the drummer. I'm not talking about like a Tommy Lee or, or a Lars Ulrich, sure. who are 
kind of the focal points of their band. I'm talking about your, you know, more common, uh, like uh, Chad Smith and uh, me and, you know, Brad from uh, Rage Against the Machine, where, you know, we're known enough to where it's enjoyable. You know, and I guess I didn't have to wear a gas mask necessarily to have that, you know, that have that anonymity. But uh, yeah, in the beginning, it was fun to do. And like I said, when Slipknot came out, it became kind of pointless because I have one, <laughs> one mask that night, you know, so we got, we got rid of it pretty quick. I think I still have it somewhere. That's great. Cool. I bet you could auction that off probably at Torpedo Comics for some good money. I will. At some point, I'm going to auction off pretty much everything that I have as far as that's related to system of a down and just donated to charity. You know, um, you were talking a little bit about, or you wanted to get into, you know, my advocacy, um, in the beginning, you know, we were really outspoken, uh, or at least Serge was, cause he was the, you know, he had the microphone and he had the lyrics, you know, and, um, we, I think we were more in line with our thoughts in the beginning, because at that point, the conservatives seem to be the problem, you know, and uh, and these days, the conservatives seem like almost like Kennedy Democrats, you know, to me, at least, you know, like the religious right has kind of subsided. And um, with the exception of a couple of, Demo- of uh, Republicans who I do not like, I think most Democrats, actually most Democrats and Republicans have more of a middle of the road feel to them. But, you know, the political system that we have in place makes it so that you you don't really have much of an option. You have to go with one or the other, right? Like there's a sure. couple of, there's a couple of really brave uh, individuals in the political realm that are breaking some of those shackles and not necessarily siding with their political party, you know? Um, but for system, like, uh, we all kind of had our own viewpoints and, and opinions on things. And I've always been a tremendous supporter of the military and the police. And, you know, of course I've never had issues with the police or military because I don't go out and do things that you're not supposed to do in life, you know? Um, And I try to live by a certain moral code, a personal moral code. And uh, that prevents me from hurting people or doing things you know, stealing from people and a lot of other things that that uh, people that have less of a compass allow themselves to get into. You know, um, I, you may or may not know that I, I did a little bit of a run in uh, Kuwait and Iraq. With, no, I bet uh, I didn't. Yeah, not in the military. I went just to perform, you know, uh, and we played a bunch of forward operating bases in the middle of nowhere in Iraq. And we had two Blackhawks. One of them was uh, carrying our equipment and the other one carried us and, you know, 50 calibers fully locked and loaded and uh, the whole deal, you know, and it was an incredible experience for us. Um, I went with a couple of the guys in a band I played with Darren with called Scars on Broadway. Okay. And so you're talking like 2009, I think we went. And, uh, you know, we spent about two weeks playing for, for these kids Sometimes it was 40 guys on a base, you know, and and uh, experiencing what life was to be out there. You know, sometimes, you know how it is, man, you'd be, the base gets fired on and, you know, one way or the other. And, you know, I asked them if I could carry, <laughs> carry a gun and they said no. <laughs> <laughs> 
to be fair, those kids probably would have been, I mean, I'm sure they had a great time regardless, but they would have been going nuts if it was system out there. I think they would have been going, going a lot more nuts, but also I don't know if we would have been able to get the correct protection in order to get the whole band out to some of these places that we were performing. And it was important for me to play, not just land in Kuwait, play in front of 20,000 people and fly away. You know, I wanted to really be, live the life that you guys were living, you know, like the, the people on these bases were living and eat the food that they ate and hear their stories, play poker with them, take their money, you know, whenever well, to, be, to be fair. And I always want to make sure, cause I don't want to get stolen valor, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, be told them stolen valor from the audience. I'm not, I'm like you, I'm not former Mel Chris is. And yeah, you know, Chris, Chris is one of the heroes of Benghazi and, yeah. became a friend of mine and then we started this podcast so yeah just to get that out of the way but did, did you guys do system songs we did some system songs we did covers we did other stuff we should probably get on another one of these and talk to him as well yeah oh, I absolutely we'll do like a part two well so you know um yeah it was it it was just it was really a fun time and it was a it was a great experience and it was nice to be able to do something like that for the people that I think are, you know, putting their lives on the line on a daily basis, staying away from their families for a year at a time, six months at a time, depending on what branch of the military you're in. And, uh, you know, not always being sent out for the right reasons, you know, uh, sometimes being used and discarded by the people that are in charge, which happens more often than not. And, you know, still understanding that even if they have to sacrifice their lives, they're doing it for the for the betterment of their country, whether that's the case or not. You know, and and uh, you know, I don't know. I have nothing but respect for the people that put themselves in harm's way so that I can have a good life sitting here at home. You know, and yeah. that's for cops as well that go out there every single day, making sure pandemonium and rule of, you know doesn't take over and rule of law is still in place. You know. Like there is a very thin line that separates society from anarchy. Yeah, I, I feel exactly the same way. And, and kind of getting into that, you know, you were talking about how you guys, when you started, were more on the same page. And I think part of that is being all Armenian guys, all behind different Armenian causes, which was totally different at the time. And there's no there's no other band really like you guys in terms of that, in terms of culturally. Um, but I think. It sounds like to me as I mean, System of a Down is known as more of a left wing band. It's just the way it is. And as you said earlier on, there was probably just a difference in politics in America at the time. Um, but as I guess politics has gotten more heated, how everything has become politicized. I keep up with what you do. I keep up with what the band does. And it's like, you'll say something in an interview and I'll see that Serge will say like, oh, John's an idiot. He doesn't know what he's talking about type of thing. It'll get on blabbermouth. Uh, who maybe this will get on blabbermouth and all those sites, but uh, I, said that I don't think Serge has ever said that I'm an idiot, but I think but, he's said things about you going out and like being vocal about supporting Trump. Right. Yeah. Well, he doesn't like Trump and, and that's fine. That's his prerogative to like Trump or not like Trump is it doesn't matter for me what he likes, you know, like uh, it's important for me that he has a right to like what he likes and to vote the way his conscience tells them to vote my sure. problem a lot of left-leaning people and and uh in general or or super right-leaning people as well as you have to make you have to make your determinations based on the situation 
And, you know, politics change, policies change. You know, uh, somebody like AOC wouldn't, would be unelectable 20 years ago. So if you look at the Democrat Party 20 years ago, it was a very different party than it is today in a lot of ways. You know, like uh, the the attempt to, to confiscate our guns and to take away our rights to have them has been going on for a long time. And, uh, you know, they chip away at, you know, this bump stock can't be had anymore or whatever. You know, but at the end of the day, you have this constant tug of war that's being, that's taking place. And um, what I liked about Trump and what I still like about Trump and the reason that I would vote for Trump again, if should he run, uh, you know, it looks like he is going to, but should he uh, get elected as a nominee for the Republican Party, is that he, at the very least, thinks differently. Um, it's very difficult to change policy for a country like the United States. But if you can have somebody that goes in with intentions that are a little bit different and is still looking at like the next 50 years, 75 years in the future, because more often than not, if you have a CEO in a company or a politician that comes in, they're really concerned only with their tenure, you know, making it successful on the time that they're there. And then after that, if, if they put policies in place that make it look good in the beginning and then 20 years later, they, the country falls apart, you know, did they do their job or did they just self, you know, they satisfied their own needs in the short term, made themselves very rich in the short term and then we all pay the price or our kids pay the price in the future you know so um i think what a lot of people do not just liberals but people in general is that they put themselves in a the corner you know you've had the philosophy for so long you've you've thought this way for so long that now even if the information comes along that just says maybe you weren't 100 right on everything it's very difficult for you to change course you know and i think my singer in a lot of ways has done that he's put himself in this corner um, where where he supports the Democratic Party wholeheartedly um, without looking at like some of the negatives of the Democratic Party. I 100% believe that um, if not the Democratic Party, certain elements within it funded all the uprisings that took place, you know, um, around the time that the elections were happening. And yeah, the, the, the reason, oh, keep going, I'm sorry. Okay, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I mean, the reason that I that I bring all this up and that I was bringing the back and forth, and, and as you correctly said, I mean, no one name called like that, but I think you guys have had back and forth on things. What I was just wondering as a fan, and I think a lot of people might be wondering, is like the difference in politics and how things have changed, is that the reason we haven't seen a system of a down album in 15 plus years? No, that's got nothing to do with it. Okay. Sir, down and have a discussion about politics. And, and be okay with walking away and having a difference of opinion, you know, if we, ha if we happen to have one. Um, that's got nothing to do with it. You know, we, had, we were much more in line in 2005 when we made our last album. Serge hasn't really wanted to be in the band for a long time, you know, uh, and quite frankly, we probably should have parted ways around 2006. We tried to get together multiple times to make an album, but there were certain rules set in place um, that made it difficult to do so and maintain the integrity of what System of a Down stood for, you know. So we couldn't really come together and agree. And part of that is Serge's fault and part of that is my fault. And, 
Chavos and Darren's as well. But at the end of the day, if you have, you know, uh, a majority of the band thinking one way and one person thinking the other, it's very difficult to come together and make music if that person is important. You know, and every member of this band is very important to the overall sound of the band. And you'll know this by listening to anybody's side projects. They're never quite that good compared to system. You know, like, in fact, I think a lot of them aren't very good at all. And, uh, you know, when you compare that to what we do together as system, you understand why the team matters and, and uh, having certain talents come together and be and merge matter, you know, and, and that magic that you can capture doing that matters. You know, no matter what, you know, Darren is uh, one of the best songwriters I've ever seen in my life. What he does with Scars will never be on the same level or league as System. That doesn't mean Scars is bad. It just means it's not System, you know, because at the end of the day, he doesn't have me playing drums. He doesn't have Shabo playing bass and bringing in certain uh, riffs and adding to Darren's music. And he doesn't have Serge bringing his melody and, uh, and lyrics into the play. You know, so it's all those things that make us system. But going back to the politics thing, yeah, like uh, I don't give a shit what anybody's politics are. There's room for everybody's politics. Just uh, I just want you to be as accepting as mine as I am as of yours. And you can hate my politics if you want, but just listen to it because you might gain some perspective. Yeah, for sure. When when you say that you guys should have broken up at that time, I mean, then what's your perspective on? Because I'm gonna not mention it. You, so okay, so you feel that you guys should not have made new music, or I think we should have moved on. And if Serge didn't want to be at the in the band at that time, we should have just moved on and, and done it with somebody else. You know, but that's what happens when you're loyal, and uh, and you really want to make it work. You'll put up with things that uh, may be detrimental to the health of the band or the health of the situation. Maybe it would have been better if we moved on and got another singer for an album or two and continued to make music and brought Serge back later if he wanted to come back. You know, that probably would have been better. But as it is, I think we wasted 15, maybe 20 years of our lives waiting. You know? Yeah, so, yeah my, my question on that that I was going to ask, though, is, I mean, you guys still do live appearances, and I was going to say you're doing the Sick New World uh not festival, the Sick New World show, basically. I mean, it's an amazing lineup with Corn, Deftones, Incubus, Turnstyle. I mean, it's a million bands to name. Chevelle, you guys are headlining. So, I mean, how do you feel doing these shows with with Surge and and doing the shows that you guys have continued to do as a band and and you know and as a whole? You know, when we're actually on stage, it's great. It's just getting to that point that that is disheartening. You know, we we have one show booked for next year. One yeah. show. That's it. <laughs> is, is, I mean, is that by design, though? I'm, I'm a fan of bands like, for example, Glassjaw, right? And Glassjaw, I don't know if you know them, but they'll do they'll do a handful of shows every year. They'll go away for a couple of years. They'll come back, and there's still, like, that momentum for them. I know that they do other things. That Like yourself, they have families. Um, Justin Beck runs that Merch Direct website. I believe that's the one he, he runs. So do, for you, is that just you guys getting older and not having the time to do a full tour and not wanting to be on the road like a Metallica? I think we would like to be working a lot more, but Serge also has a bad back now. Like he's messed up his back somehow. And uh, he just doesn't want to tour as much as the rest of us do. So we're look, if I, if my wife told me that we were going to have sex once a year, I'd be divorced. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's a good analogy. You know, so you figure that out, you know, for what it is. But uh, I don't think this is sustainable. You know, the rest of us want to work a lot more than he does. Now, I don't know if that means we're just going to break up and forget about it and call it a career or if we're going to move forward with somebody else or if Serge is going to come around. You know, ultimately, the best case scenario for me is Serge comes around and we can do like 15, 20 shows a year. Even that would be enough, you know? Like we'd be able to go to places that we haven't gone in a long time and play in front of fans that have never seen us play. That's important to me. You know, um, I don't I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. It's, it's really, even talking about system kind of bums me out uh, because I know what our potential is. And I know that if we make an album, you know, um, it'll be fantastic because we have songs that we, that we have been ready for five, six years now. We just have to go in and record them, you know? Um, and I don't know if that's going to happen or not. And it's, it's to me, that's like, you only get one shot at life, you know, and make the best of it. And, and we, you know, look at Tom Brady's like cleaning football. It's, it's, I believe that his relationship was over when he won the last Super Bowl, and Giselle came up to him like, right, you know, the first thing she said was basically, you know, to the effect of, "You have nothing left to prove," you know, like basically quit. Instead of letting him have his moment, she had to throw that in there, and I think their relationship ended at that moment, you know. Um, and I don't know either of them, so I don't know what their, you know, what their marriage was like. But I know that that would be disheartening to me, you know. And I, and I would, you know, really, you you couldn't have said that maybe in two days or tomorrow or after the parade or you know, when we're in Costa Rica in a week, you know, like there's a time and place for everything, you know. So, um, I don't know why I brought up. Uh, oh yeah, Tom Brady. Like the, the guy's, just, the guy's doing everything he can to stay in this. He's still got the passion, even if his body's not reacting quite the way it used to. And um, I personally think he's going to end up in Las Vegas next year, playing for the Raiders. Even though I love the team that we have, you know, and I think our quarterback's great, but I think he's going to end up here. And I think uh, I imagine he'll get to twelve Super Bowls and quit. That's what I think is going to. All right, guys, hope you're enjoying this interview. We do talk some firearms. We get into a little bit of politics when we talk some firearms because, as you can hear, John Dolmayan from System of a Down is a fierce Second Amendment supporter. So let's talk some night vision here. Now you can have the superpower to see in the dark with the Viper Binocular Night Vision System by Photonis Defense, which is the global leader in night vision solutions, providing more high-quality night vision capabilities than anyone. Military, law enforcement, and public safety end users utilize Photonis Defense Solutions to give them the edge at night in tactical situations and rescue operations. Hunters, shooters, boaters, and enthusiasts can rely on the Photonis Defense Viper Binocular to become Master of Darkness, their trademark. The new Viper Binocular System carries the same features and benefits as the Photonis Defense Viper Monocular with a ruggedized body and harnesses the power of the echo intensifier tubes, giving you sharper images, reduced halo, and industry-leading ultra-fast auto-gating across the range of dynamic operating conditions. If you want to learn more about night vision 
and why Photonis is who you have to go with, listen back a couple episodes where we talk night vision with with Phil Otto. Uh, that's a couple episodes back. Once you're done with this one, if you have time to listen to more, yeah, check out that episode and you're really going to get a better feel for why Photonis is top of the line in night vision. Visit photonisdefense.com for more information or look for Photonis Defense product options from your night vision dealer. That's P-H-O-T-O-N-I-S defense.com. And you know where else you can get Photonis Defense? FSM.com. Fort Scott Munitions is a manufacturer of multi-federal patented solid copper and brass CNC spun ammunition. It's designed to tumble upon impact, their trademark, in soft tissue, leaving devastating wound channels for faster bleed-out and quicker incapacitation. This ammunition was originally developed to innovate and improve on the standard of military-grade ammunition design. It was found that not only did the TUI ammunition outperform competitors in the self-defense industry, but it quickly became apparent that it would be a top contender for hunters alike. With the ammunition being CNC-spun, the tolerances are some of the tightest on the market, ensuring that you receive the same results with each pull of the trigger. Fort Scott Munitions is available throughout privately owned businesses in all 50 states, and you can check them out at fsm.com. As simple as that, use the exclusive promo code BATTLELINE for 15% off your order. You won't get 15% off Photonis Night Vision, but you will get a discount um, because that stuff is, is top of the line. But in terms of merchandise, ammo, the uh, tins here, like my uh, my Fort Scott uh, tin. But they also have now, they have the um, Battleline Tactical tin signed by Tonto. I think they're still available on there. If they're, if they're not, they're probably, uh, or if they are, they're probably soon to be out of stock because those go quickly. Uh, so FSM.com, 15% off when you use the promo code BATTLELINE. Fort Scott Munitions is a proud supporter of Chris Peranto, BATTLELINE Tactical, and the BATTLELINE Podcast, fsm.com, promo code BATTLELINE. Let's get back to John Dolmayan from System of a Down. The thing with, with you guys, and I want to you know c- continue with that, is there's so few bands that have the original lineup, and you guys still have that original lineup of what was on the first album. Uh, it's it's the classic lineup and it sounds like for you not just being on the road you're thirsty to do new music as well and not be a nostalgia act in the same realm as Guns N' Roses and as a Guns N' Roses fan for years people are like when are we going to hear new music and then they finally reunite with Slash and Duff and it's like when are we going to hear new songs and they put out these two songs that sound like they're reworks of stuff that Axel was doing prior and and people do wonder why can't these guys just get back in a room and make a new album it's just the pressure well, that it's not going to be on the level of appetite for destruction or use your illusion and people probably it, wonder that with system it probably won't be very good number one and number two and this is part of the fear, I guess, of a lot of bands like us who haven't put out an album in so long, is that like, yeah, you, the last thing they heard was 25 years ago, right? For Guns N' Roses. Forget about that Chinese democracy crap. I'm talking about like real Guns I love Roses. that album, but okay. <laughs> Not Guns N' Roses. It's actual, you know, and that's fine. But the, the point is, if system comes out today and we make an album, it could be the best thing we've ever done. It could be, it could be in our, in our opinion, like the next level and all that. And people could look at it like, nah, no, it sucks. Right. I like toxicity. You know, I want to hear toxicity, but you gotta, 
the, the, you got to have these albums coming out every two or three years so that your audience grows with you as you grow older and your motivations change and you know some of the fire dissipates but then you have passion for other things and they're going along that ride with you so that it's not like this massive shock of you went from this 35 year old person to a 50 year old person right like there's a difference in in the perception that these people have and their outlooks on life and everything else i don't think the way i thought 30 years ago and everything, you know, like some things, but not everything, you know, and your music represents that, you know, as, as you grow older and, and wiser and, you know, there's a, there's the balance of that wisdom coming in. And then cause some of the fire that you had, the passion is overtaken by that wisdom, you know, like, and your music will represent that as well. And, and we don't have that. We have this whole era of nothing. You know, so, but like I said, the songs that we do have, they're going to fuck people up, dude. I mean, we still have it, you know, and it's it's just a matter of, are we ever going to be able to show it? You know, it's so, part of the problem that, let's just say you guys do put out a new album and it's the best thing you've ever done. Just as someone who observes the music industry, no matter how good this album is, it will never be as big as Toxicity because that type of music is no longer played on radio and there really is no rock radio and there is no MTV playing rock videos. Like there's no market for what was a giant thing in the late nineties and early two thousands. Yeah. It's, it's different now, you know, like uh, we're kind of, we're about as far removed as the music industry as it gets, you know, we, we don't have a slightest clue of how to, put out an album, you know, uh, or if albums are even the way to do it these days, you know, like you just put out songs the way you did in the fifties. I don't, I don't even know. I wouldn't know where to begin, but that's not my problem. That's not my problem. That's for somebody else to figure out. My job is to go in and write drums that make these songs sound as good as possible. That's going to be my focus. I don't give two shits about what the marketing of it is, how it's going to get out there. The people are going to gravitate towards it. They're going to enjoy it. And then there's there are going to be other people that don't, you know, and, and my purpose is strictly to make the songs as good as possible. And then to give it up and give it out to the world. That's it. What, what do the new songs sound like if they ever get recorded? They're going to anybody making music today, like all the well-known bands. They're going to understand why system is what system is. Let's just put it that way. That's we're cool. going to remind them. I, I, I'm, I'm dying to hear it. And I think a lot of other people are too. Me too. <laughs> um, so, you know what I want to get into for sure is, is torpedo comics, because I think a lot of people might be wondering how that all happened uh, prior to being in a band where you a kid who was reading Marvel comics and DC comics. Like how did it all come about? Yeah, I started buying comics when I was like 12 years old. You know, uh, a friend of mine took me to a comic book store and I just fell in love with it immediately, started buying them. And then when I was like 18, I felt like a total loser asking my parents for money. You know, so I had bills, you know, like a phone bill and I had a job. And uh, I just couldn't afford to buy the amount of comics that I wanted to buy to keep up with my reading. So... Back then, we had something called The Recycler, which was like a Craigslist, basically. It was a newspaper. that came out weekly, and you were allowed to put out two free ads a week. So I put some ads out and said, 
have old comics to sell and you know call me and basically turn my garage into like a little almost like a little comic book store and bazaar i started getting some people coming and buying and and that's how i started to buy my new books you know like again and was able to afford them keep up with the stories and then i realized that i'm kind of like a you know i'm 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 kind of unemployable you know like <laughs> i can't really work for other people sorry hold on a sec yeah you're good primarily because like uh i worked harder than anyone else worked at every job that i had you know and whenever you're working in a corporate structure they really don't want people like you there right like the people that you're surrounded by don't want you there your superiors in a lot of way don't want you there because they're threatened you know um and at the end of the day you just don't fit right so i would burn out i would be unappreciated and i would get fired or i'd quit and comics was the only thing that like i could work as hard as i wanted to work and that and my success was based on that work just like when i put four or five hours a day in the drumming and i got better you know like i got that reward of getting better with comics and everything else if i made a you know a greater effort i'd probably make more money and you know and i thrived on that and that's what i did until we got signed and then after we got signed i missed it so that when things kind of slowed down i started getting back into it again and slowly developed a business now we have five stores um i have this new concept that's primarily for malls it's not so much a comic book store it's more of like a pop culture store you know uh, signed comic books by different artists statues toys pops squish malls, all that crap you know and uh and i really enjoy building this thing into something massive you know i wanted to have like 100 150 stores because what the fuck else am i gonna do you know if i'm not trying to make it the best or the biggest then why bother that's just my philosophy or my mental illness depending on who you ask <laughs> no I, th I think it's a good thing to see all these locations I i'm wondering since you sign a lot of as you said like signed uh, you sell a lot of signed memorabilia and that type of thing do you get the chance to meet some of your heroes growing up whether it's the artists who made these books and that type of thing that's part of this man is that i get to meet all these incredible artists and writers that i grew up idolizing you know, I've, I've become dear friends with many of them, and I find them much more uh, palatable than people in the music industry. Like, I I don't like most band members, and, you know, uh, I don't really get along with the, the kind of left-leaning philosophies of a lot of people. So, you know, um, I've become sort of a pariah. <laughs> so, you know, and, um, and again, right back to unemployable, right? Like, trust me, I could play... I could play miles above what a lot of people are playing. And if people wanted me to play on their music, I would elevate their songs. I do have the ability. That's one thing that I have a lot of confidence in is my drumming. And it's not so much the technical aspect, but the way I think about drums and the way I approach people's songs, I think it's unique, you know, and I do that better than a lot of people. That's just the reality of it. You know, if you listen to system songs, the drumming, although not being as technical as a lot of people are, it is different. And um, I try to craft beats that make everything else shine, you know, like, so, so you can have a vocal pattern that comes out that really stands out because of the drumming that happens behind it. And I take a lot of time and consideration when I'm, 
when I'm crafting these beats. And uh, and I know that there are bands that 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 are out there that have drummers. And I mean, if I I just listen to their songs, I'm like, you know, really, man, if that's the best you can come up with for that song, you know, like. And I just start thinking about what I would do, and I get very angry, you know. But then, then I got to calm myself down. <laughs> I I saw you post on uh, Instagram about uh, like AI artwork, and then you were comparing that to drums. I mean, as as a fan and someone who hangs out with musicians, I, I see it all the time now. Like the program drums have become the norm, and a lot of times fans don't even know they put an album on, and the drums are completely programmed and it's because it saves money studio time all that stuff they have a drummer who will go on stage with them but they're not actually drumming on the albums uh and yeah to the average consumer the average listener they have no idea what's your feeling about that as a trend because i think when system was big you weren't seeing it as much yeah it just didn't exist you know you still had uh, samples right like hip-hop was using like led zeppelin beats left and line you know, um, ACDC and whatever else. Um, hey, look, that, you gotta you gotta go with where where life progresses, and you know it's really hard to sit down and and do rudimentary exercises and learn how to you know like get your body to the point where you can play a lot of these beats. And I completely understand why people are lazy and they want to do it like tomorrow and they want to know how to do it quickly and so they just program it and it's far easier to do that you know i get that but uh i guess time will tell whether or not um whether or not that the creativity is enough you know to compensate for the lack of how you get creative which is to put in the effort and make your mistakes and maybe you come up with something that nobody else did out of your mistakes so a lot of that is going to get lost, but maybe there are other benefits. I don't really know. I don't, I don't really care. You know, um, I'm still going to sit down on a drum set and play, and that's how I do it. And um, if they can come up with an AI that can replicate what's in my head and that I don't even know why it's in there, you know, I couldn't even tell you why it's there, then, then I guess we're just not necessary anymore. <laughs> what can I say? You know, hey, at a certain point, everybody had a horse and buggy, and now you know everybody has a car. Maybe in ten more years, nobody will have a car. You know? We'll just have Jeff. Yeah, it's also uh, I've heard Eddie Trunk, who I listen to all the time, talk about this at length. It's also just like what the fans accept. The fans accept all the time. I mean, I went to go see Aerosmith a few years back. And it wasn't Joey Kramer behind the drums. It was a drum tech. And a lot of the times now, you know, the singer's out. Oh, we'll replace the singer with someone else. And or we'll have a backing track on stage for whatever reason. And, and for the albums, the studio albums. Yeah, we have studio musicians playing some of this stuff. We have uh, programmed drums. And a lot of the times the fans just accept it. And they don't really demand anything more. Brother, people go to see a DJ that can literally leave the stage, go to the bathroom, talk to a chick, eat him, come back and know he was gone. People will accept a lot of things. It's what will you accept? You know, like, don't worry about what other people are into. If they're, if they're okay with it, then that's fine. But like, what, what, what motivates you? What moves you? And what are you interested in? That's what matters. Listen to the stuff that you like. And the beauty of it is there's so much, Great music, great art, movies, you know, uh, I mean, I can't watch a Disney product anymore. It's disgusting. 
you know, but like, uh, there's so much stuff that exists already that you can enjoy that you almost don't need the creation of more, you know? So you can be more picky on what you listen to, more picky on what you watch, because there's already so much out there that's terrific. Yeah. That's, that's wonderful. And that you can, you, if you spent your entire life trying to experience everything out there that's already amazing, you wouldn't have enough time to do it. You know, you don't need to go with the trends, but get the most exceptional out of those trends. And you'll just add that to your repertoire, repertoire of wonderful things that you enjoy. It's well said, man. And it also sounds like you being a purist and kind of the band being a purist on some level. Is it fair to say System of a Down, touring is the name System of a Down, will never be anything beyond these core members. There'll never be another drummer. There'll never be another bassist. This is who the band will always be as long as you're doing shows. I hope not. I hope not. You know, if I die tomorrow, I hope that they continue and get another drummer. Why would we deprive the fans of that? You know, just because I'm not here anymore. What good is that going to do me? I should say as long as you guys are still here and able to perform. If you don't want to do it, I don't know. Sometimes you leave people no choice. So I guess time will tell if if, uh, if this rings true and maybe this interview will, will be a foretelling of that. But um, I think that, that if people want to hear it, look, my opinion, in 20 years, you're going to be able to go see Led Zeppelin, the Beatles, anybody you want. Because, shit, we're so close to replacing ourselves with AI technology and androids. Why not be able to go see a live show with very well put together androids and they take actual live shows on that or videotape or wherever. I have like 250 shows that system did on that, which means I have every flaw, every mistake, every pitch change. And you put, you know, an animatronic up there and fuck as a, as a listener at a concert, those seats I could afford, I couldn't see anybody anyway. You know, it was more the experience of it. So I think that's where we're going anyway. We're going to get there anyway. Which is so, to me, so unfortunate because to me, the memories of concerts are not even necessarily, I mean, part of it, of course, is the performance up there, but part of it is just being in the audience and taking this in with other fans who listen to this music every day of their lives, whether it's going to the gym and working out to it or on their commute, like it's a bond that we form. And I think in this like post-COVID world, especially, man, everyone is becoming more and more isolated and I'm not a fan of it at all. Yeah, you know, these things come and go, right? Like, uh, and even if you believe in a a lot of the conspiracies, which a lot of them seem to make sense, but let's say that we get into a George Orwellian kind of society, right? Where you're restricted on everything and like families don't exist anymore. That will only survive for a certain amount of time. And then people rebel because very much like, a blade of grass growing out of the concrete, the human spirit is impossible to hold down forever. You can have periods of time where it's oppressed, but it will always find a way through because remember the quote in Star Wars, like you can close your fists, more will escape. That's just the way it is. You know, like uh, society will find a way to reemerge and, and freedom, whether it's, because of uh, tyranny or because of rules or because of a, uh, I don't know, like a, 
Genghis Khan coming and uh, attack slavery, whatever the situation is, it never lasts forever. You know, it may last throughout your lifetime, but it doesn't last forever. There's always going to be somebody that comes along and says, I don't want to live this way. I want to be free. And they'll find a way to achieve it. It's well said, man. Um, One thing I I definitely. Why Why don't we stop now? And then get Chris on and do another, like another one. Yeah, yeah, we we should do that, man. Absolutely, because I do want to do another one with Chris. Um, to- and you know, what? I I was well, gonna ask you about about uh, guys overseas who have listened to system as they're kicking down doors and that type of thing, but we could save that for next time. I agree. Yeah. And I'm I'm free tomorrow or the day after, bro. Like, we could do it then. You know, I know I haven't, you know what, I'll tell you when we stop recording, but I think um, I have an email with Chris from some dates for January, so we'll be able to do it. But this That's has fun. been a great, yeah, this has been a great part one for the audience. And I think we have some like major things sure. here that really people don't know about. Um, I do want to tell the audience, of course, to check out Torpedo Comics, torpedocomics.com. You can go to the locations in Las Vegas, Orange, California. Irvine, California, and Canoga Park, California. Is there another? Because I think you said five locations. I, yeah, because I already, I'm already on Glendale. Okay. Glendale built right now, so in my head, it's already, it's a location. So you know, I signed a lease, <laughs> building it out, and uh, you know, definitely we're gonna have to do this soon because I want to talk about my comic book that I wrote and everything else. You know, we still have quite a bit to talk about. We should do that for sure, and uh, at john dolmayan underscore on instagram um i i want to promote uh sick new world in las vegas in may 13th but it's completely sold out so if you don't have yeah. tickets this is the only system show you'll see in in 2023 i got hit up quite a bit in the last week for uh, tickets for that you know um for those of you listening i don't have tickets <laughs> <laughs> well yeah, dude this family this has been awesome. It's been an honor. And I, I have a ton of more questions, like I said, with guys listening to System Overseas, you being a father. And I think that stuff would be great to have on with Chris next time. Um, yes. Systemofadown.com. Uh, anything else that, that you want to mention before we wrap up, uh, I guess, part one of John Dolmayan? I don't want to, because once if I mention something else, we're going to go down that wormhole. <laughs> That's true. I wish everybody a Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. And, you know, for those of, uh, for, for our many men and women that are overseas, you know, protecting us because our borders aren't just the, the borders around our country, you know, like we have to think, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 years in the future. And these are the people that are putting it on the line for us every day. You have my support. You always will. And, uh, you know, stay true to yourself, even though you're a part of something bigger, stay true to yourself as well. That's perfect. And and for those of you watching uh, on YouTube, leave us a comment, like, subscribe, all that stuff. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, subscribe there. Uh, Battleline Podcast on Instagram, at Battleline Pod on Twitter. And uh, we'll see you next week. That's all for this episode of the Battleline Podcast. But we'll be back on Monday with more American Straight Talk. Until then, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Battleline Podcast and on Twitter at Battleline Pod. To sign up for future Battleline tactical courses, go to www.christantoperanto.net. Believe in yourself, face all challenges head on, and as always, never, never quit. quit.